Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're currently locked in to season three of the Porch Podcast. I'm your boy B Jones, aka Bolo, and you know when I'm pulling up to the porch. I can't pull up without my dog. What's going on, y'all? It's your boy Big Smitty, aka D Nice. And you heard what my man Bolo just said. This is the porch. Welcome. Started on the porch. That was where it all began. Had to put it work. Every day we got it in. We chased all our dreams and now they can't believe it. We make it look easy. We achieving everything we need. Now we undefeated. Let's get it. Let's get it, my God. Another week, another another day, another dollar. Another day, another dollar. Hey, that's probably the bro. That's probably the best saying you ever can like say. Like it just it just means so much, bro. Another day, another dollar, bro. Every it's day, real you simple, but it means so much. Ten toes down, bro. You out here trying to get to it. We dropping gems. You, you you just said ten toes down. Another day, another dollar. What Ooh. else we said? We said something else. Like we we dropping gems. Remember, remember pre-show we was talking about. How our strength and conditioning coach, shout out to Dave Feely, out here at Duke, strength and conditioning coach right now, but mm-hmm. he's a strength and conditioning coach with us at Ball State. He used to always tell us, hey, man, the world don't give a fuck about your problems. They don't. You That's the worst shit we ever, ever, hey, ever been told, bro. You're tired, you mad, you sleepy, you hungry, you upset. You know, it's okay to vent, but at the end of the day, you got to get up and chase it and get to it because the world do not care. The world will keep moving, keep grooving and doing whatever it needs to do to thrive. So we yeah. just got to make sure that we just jump into it with the world and thrive too, man. How you doing, though, bro? You know, I'm doing good, bro. I'm feeling good, man. You know, it's been a, a somewhat of a uh, of a of a busy day for me, just ripping and running, doing errands. But man, I'm blessed. I feel good. I got a lot of energy, as you probably can tell. For whatever mm-hmm. reason, God put that adrenaline in me. I think I'm just excited about the porch, bro. I'm just excited about the porch. Hey, 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 God, hey, God got his hands on this porch, bro. Yeah, you know, hey, y'all, if y'all, if y'all big falls, y'all know within five minutes of the porch, we always gonna have something to say about God, man. I always thanking God, bro. That's what it's about at the end of the day. Yep. Giving glory. Because without him, none of this is possible. We wouldn't be here. So hey, thank you, God. I'm telling you right now, thank you, God, for everything Amen. you've already done, things you're doing right now, things you and will do. We already in the thank future. you for everything that you will do. Let them know. Come on now. Come on now. Speak into existence. That's that. That's that faith right there, Bolo. We, we, hey. When you when you think of for, for something he gonna do, size size of a mustard seed, like that little that little seed that's on top of that uh that Burger King burger. You can't that really little, see it, really, Bolo. Seed right there, take one of those little seeds right there. That's all you. <laughs> hey, that's all. Hey, that's all you need, man. That's all you need, that's bro. That, but listen, I'm so excited today, man. We gonna we usually do our topic of the day right now, but we got a real special guest, and he just jumped in. He ready to go right now, Bolo. So we gonna have to skip the topic of the day. We got to go straight to our to our special guest, man. So let me bring them in right now. We're going to get straight to it. Let's get it. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including NBA Summer League, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. Now back to the porch. All right, guys, without further ado, we got another big time guest on the porch right now. He's a comedian. He's a sports host, former football player for the U and the Arizona Cardinals. The one and the only Jared Campbell. Welcome to the port. That was like bringing me to the stage, bro. That's what I need right there. That sounds like yeah. Kings of Comedy, yeah. Steve Harvey energy right there. That's how you host, bro. Thank you guys for having me, man. Of course, Absolutely. man. Of course. Every time you come on the porch, we got to show love to, to our guests, man. So we appreciate you for hopping on. How you doing, though, man? I know you're a busy man. How you doing right now? I'm doing good, man. I can't complain, man. I get to watch preseason football, man. Get to check in on baseball, you know, rep, trade deadline. Nah, I'm playing. This boring as hell in the sports world, apparently. <laughs> but uh, preseason, I'm waiting on some fights to happen and whatnot. But other than that, man, life is good. I'm getting on stage. I'm at the comedy store. I don't know when it's going to release, so I'm not going to give dates. But I've been doing a lot of stand-up and uh, just doing my, doing my thug dizzle at Yahoo right now. Love it, man. I love it, man. I love it. And, and we're going to get into, into what you're doing now and all the comedy. But before we even get to that point, let's, let's lean back, rewind a little bit to the to the to your first passion, I would assume, which is the 
uh, the football side of things, man. So um, let's start there. When did you fall in love with football? Oh, bro. Uh, I'm the youngest of all my brothers played football, so it was kind of forced on me. Like, I didn't have no option. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to be a hooper until, like, sixth grade, and then they was like, nah, this ain't going to (laughs) work. We all did, right? (laughs) I got a big family, man, in Colorado with the Campbells, man. We got a prestigious family out there as far as football goes. And Calais made it big. I don't know if you guys told told anybody, but my brother's Calais Campbell for the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. And I'm way nicer than him, but nobody knows that because <laughs> he balled out later. But in high school, like you ask anybody in high school, I'm a, I was a better high school football player. I think Marcus Vick and Michael Vick kind of had that same argument. But yeah. uh yeah, and so I fell in love with uh football, man. And it just started taking off. I was hitting people, probably would get flagged a lot more now for how they tackle because I used Thanks. to just throw my helmet at people and just being like, you know, laying them out. <laughs> and you know what's crazy about this, real quick, Bolo? We got two safeties on here. Bolo used to hit people too now. Me and him. Yeah, me, hey, Bolo, he's a ball state legend. I'm a ball state legend myself. You see the jersey in the back. Chirp, chirp, matching. So come on now. Hey. Y'all doing that Tuesday night thumping. I got something <laughs> about the matching. We about to change the whole interview, man. How do you even get ready for a Tuesday night game? I just don't know. Like, what yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it, throw, it throws your whole like rhythm off. Like To like to be sitting there having pregame dinner on a Monday night. <laughs> and, and getting ready for a game on Tuesday. And then even it's even weirder, like, after the game, though. Like, you kind of do going through, like, the stretches, the workouts on Wednesday. You get a day off. And then, like, now we got to catch back up because then we, you know, we we kind of pretty much have Friday, Saturday off when we usually play. And then we got to get ready for our next Wednesday or Tuesday because once you get in November, you damn near only playing on Tuesday or Wednesday. Weekdays. So it used to be, wow. It used to be, psh. Yeah, y'all didn't get no college experience in Miami, man. If you won on Saturdays, bro, you got the best time of your life, man. I don't- That's beautiful. Yeah, you can't party say. on Tuesday after a win. Ain't nobody going. <laughs> I'm like, be like, shit, we got to go to class. Right, right. <laughs> Ain't nothing going on on Tuesday, too, for the most part. I mean, the football house, we might have a little something going on, but it's Tuesday. So it's only so much can happen. We'll make, it's Tuesday. Yeah, we'll, we'll turn something into nothing. When it's done, it's like 1 a.m. by the time you get home and shower and everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'll all pass. Right. All right. Well, we keep going. I'm sorry. You're <laughs> good, man. You me off, man. The Mac. <laughs> but, no, but I was going to say to your point, so obviously, you know, we, we were in the Mac, but, you know, you had you had the opportunity to play at one of the most prestigious universities, um, I would say, uh, when it comes to football uh, in the world, and that's the, you know, University of Miami. Uh, talk to us about just kind of playing there and, you know, um, being there with just, you know, with just so many people who who have been great to touch that field. Like I just remember growing up, like a lot of those guys who played that play the sport. That's the reason why I wanted to continue to play the sport. You know what I mean? And, and you know, some of those classes that came in like the early 2000s, that was just like changing the game, man. So man. Kind of speak, speak to that and like the pressure behind, you know, joining a, a team like that. Well, you know, Miami is safe to you. So, like, all the greats came. And I remember my first day, at, I went to warm-ups. It's, uh, it's June something. It's Mom just got to Miami. And literally, Ed Reed walks into the gym as we went. <clears throat> and I'm just, like, starstruck. Wow. He, he's used to, I didn't say anything, right? He, but he's used to that. I feel like I'm not the only one that did it. So, he just came and dabbed me up. What's up, young buck? Let's get ready to work, you know? And it's just unreal. And so, like, Ed used to come back a lot. In fact, during practice, he'd coach you up. You had a good – I had my best practice ever in spring ball in front of Ed Reed. And ever since then, we've just been cool. He's been showing me Damn. love. It's the brotherhood. Sean Taylor, rest in peace, came back. For like, he he passed away going into my sophomore year. Like, that, I was in the middle of my sophomore year. I think it was, like, November, maybe October. But he came back a couple times to show love. It's really a, – it's a, it's a brotherhood, man. It's a uh, – I don't know how to pronounce it even better than that. If you go to Miami, everybody shows love. Like, now that I'm in media, I get interviews with Frank Gore. And, you know, he don't even like doing interviews, but he showed love for me because of Miami. And uh, it's a respect thing. You know, even though we didn't win a championship there, no matter where I go, when I tell people I played for that U, you got to respect my ball skills, man. You got to respect <laughs> that I'm a legit, baby. I could probably hit and run faster than you. Right, right. Hey, fun. even if you ain't watched no tape on Jared, if he say he went to the U, you got to you know, assume. Hey, you know, <laughs> Validated. <laughs> uh, nice. I love it. I love it, man. And then obviously, you know, your brother went. To, he went to the U as well, uh, Calais, right? Talk to me. Yeah, no, he, he definitely he's Miami legend, all that good stuff. But I thought I was gonna go to college with him. Like when we was recruiting, he was like, you know, he's three years older than me. He's like, uh-huh. I'm gonna stay for the year and rock with you. That man was there for three months and then left. He went to LA to start training for the combine. I was in Miami by my damn self, Ooh. and it was tougher. They hazed me harder. 
because they knew Calais. And so I had to go yeah. through all the haze and they taping me up, shaving my head, doing all kinds of wild stuff. Right. Calais, you know, he was gone. He would have, he would have helped me out if he was there. So, well, let me ask you this thing, Jared. When when that happened, right, and you and your brother wasn't there, when you first got to the U, did you ever second guess the, the, the decision? Because I know you had other offers. You could have stayed near home, back at the crib. Like, was there ever a point where you were like, damn, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have came here? No, nah, I mean, uh, all right, we're going to be honest. All right, we're going to keep it real. I'm it's the porch. Well, we got to be real. Got to. Got to. All right, when you go to Miami, I'm from Denver, Colorado. So when you go to Miami, it's a Florida. Everybody knows everybody. Like, you're an outsider. You you part of the team, but y'all, everybody out of state got to kind of do their own thing. Everybody, they go home for holidays. They go on to high school games. So, like, my freshman year, I was like, man, I don't even like you here, man. I was, like, seventh on the depth chart. Right. And so I was really thinking about transferring. I was going to either go back to CU Buffalo or the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And boy, am I glad I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was at Miami for loving? Fuck no. Uh, so I don't know how we're doing a cursing. But, it's uh, the porch. Please like, curse. No, nah, but end up that, I remember my brother, and I'm my brother Calais, my other brother Jamar called me. He said, bro, even if you hate it out there, just enjoy Miami, man. Go to the clubs. Go to the beach. <laughs> So I said, fuck it. I remember I was like, I don't care no more. I was like, I was, I started missing special team meetings and spring ball. And I just, I literally was just making plays. Like I was like, this is what I want to do. I'm not following the defense. And I started balling, balling. Like I really started making plays. And so I literally went from seventh on the depth chart to starting the next year against Florida State just because I didn't give a fuck. And so I was like, man, you know, I think not giving a fuck really is the, the key recipe to success. He, he, he dropping Damn. gems right now, man. Hey, for all the listeners who's tuning in, man, whatever passion you got going on, whether dream you chasing, if you don't give a fuck, you'll improve. You'll reach that goal, man. There it is. But then there's some validity to that because it, it's, it it's no pressure. Just go out there and do what you need to do. Like, you ain't overthinking nothing. And usually when I see people who make mistakes and stuff, especially in football, it's like they overthinking or worried about something that ain't got shit to do with them. Like you go out there and don't give a fuck. You think about some of the greatest players out, out there, man. Specifically yeah. Sean Taylor didn't give a fuck. He going out there knocking <laughs> heads off. Like yeah. it's, it's whatever. Like I'm showing up and I'm going to do, do whatever. And then after that shit, fuck it. I'm, I'm moving on. Like, <laughs> right. If you just reacting, that's football, man. It slows up for you. Every level of football it gets a little faster your first time and then everything slows up as you get better. Like high school was always pretty easy for me, but like it was slow as hell. And I got to college and like my first day, I'm like, what the hell? Everything going on so fast. <laughs> right. And then by the time my senior year, it's just, it's moving. Like it's, it's easy clockwork pros. It was always fast. I don't think it ever slows. Down. <laughs> <laughs> pros. And, so, yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask you, right. So I'm not too familiar with like the, the, like, you know, how y'all ball in Colorado. You probably like the first person that I didn't met to actually play high school ball in Colorado. I guess speak about like the football, like kind of that or the, the culture in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Like I know that was a big ass transition because you two separate sides of the world, essentially what a country. Yeah, man. I've been, uh, I ain't gonna lie. Florida, they take football way more serious. Like Colorado, we got some legends came out. Obviously Calais is holding us down. Lindell White was like a legend. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. We used to all try to tackle Lindell on little league and it was impossible. Christian McCaffrey is a new book that's been showing love. And I found out Austin Eckler is from Colorado, not Denver, but Colorado. Like one of them oh, on the white people. Okay. Austin Eckler was out there killing them and he made it to the pros. But uh it's not as I don't want to hate because I want people on like motherfucking Colorado best goddamn football. But it's like in Florida, like they make ways for you to get on the field. Like it, they don't yeah. care about class as much. And I'm not saying that to hate on them, but Colorado, you know, football was still a, a extracurricular activity, not the mm. whole world around it. And so, yeah, it was a big jump, to be honest with you. The talent level was the biggest shock. Like, I was better than everybody in high school. I went wow. to Miami, and literally everybody was as fast, stronger maybe. And so it was an adjustment. Only thing I really had on them is I was smart. I would put a little more effort into, like, reading the defense and filming. Oh, That's the only edge I really had. No, nah, for sure, man. And yeah. and you talk about, you know, your freshman year and your brother. You said Jamar, I believe, uh, you know, told you, you know, your first year, hey, man. If football ain't right, at least enjoy Miami. So I gotta ask you this: What's what's what was your favorite memory at at the U? It it could be a football memory if it's on the field, but it can also be off the field. Favorite memory that, that you are able to publicly share? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me see about some long stories now. No uh, football. I'll give you multiple. All right, football is us beating Florida State. The first my first game starting, we beat Florida State. It was a Monday night game. Everybody was watching. We. We was, we was getting beaten. Ja'Cory Harris came back, and uh, we ended up beating Florida State uh, by three or four. 
that was my best football memory. I just remember getting off the field and we were just literally screaming in the locker room, partying for like 30 minutes. Uh, off the field, man. Uh, all right, fuck it. We here. It got not the field. I remember my recruiting visit, man. My brother. Oh, players was my host. And I remember we went to South Beach and we ended up going to club bed. Mm. And Uncle Luke was there. And Uncle Luke is like, he really might be my uncle because we got the same last name. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I remember he let us get at his table, and that was my first time at bottle service experience. And I'm just like, yo, what the hell? I went from literally being in high school trying to, you know, find a way to get drinks from somehow to add bottle service in Miami. Oh, and I mean, I can't get canceled for that now. We can't get in no trouble. We didn't do it. But just partying like that, like that was like the elite party, and like that was, you know, celebrity partying from for a Denver, Colorado kid that don't happen very often. And then, obviously, man, I didn't realize that everybody didn't have this. I know Ball State for sure didn't have this. But at Miami, bro, it was nothing but, like, women coming to classes in bikinis with little wraps around them. And You lying. I promise you. In class? I thought that was everywhere because I'm I'm a young kid. I'm like, every college is like this. But, nah, y'all really was putting on coats and boots and going to classes in Miami. It was literally nobody took classes before, like, 8, 9 9 a.m., and literally, they'd be out there sunbathing, wrapping themselves up, coming to class. And I'm like, how can I study, man, with you looking like this in front of me? Damn. Uh, I know y'all was clowning, boy. I can't even, boy. We're going to have to talk to him uh, off camera about some of the other stories. That, uh, nah, 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 you're, you're, man, you know, maybe on Reddit, maybe on stage, I might share a little bit. If it's an <laughs> intimate, intimate setting, you catch me live. But I ain't going to tell you on the porch. Right, right, the right. The porch ain't just the porch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's facts. That's facts. So let me ask you this. So like, I'm thinking about like, obviously, when I came in my freshman year, I came in with like maybe like 25 guys in my recruiting class, and then when I graduated, it was probably about seven or eight. And for whatever reason, you know, guys kind of filter their way out. You know, do good things, bad things, transfer, whatever. But obviously, with that added component of the weather, the women, the celebrities, and all that stuff, you came in with how many people? You think uh, your freshman year? Uh, we were short that year. I remember Randy Shannon just got the coaching job. And so I think it was only 17 of us. Okay. Got you. How, how many did you finish with? Ooh, it was uh, a lot of people transfer out. Miami got a high turnover rate when it comes to that. Yeah, to I, I of, can figure. I figured that. I'm trying to think of pro, people who made it to the pros. Alan Bailey played a lot of years in the pros. DeMarcus mm-hmm. Van Dyke played a couple years. Uh, Leonard Hankerson played a couple years. Uh, JoJo Nick, rest in peace, my guy, got in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh he did some bouncing around training camp. It was probably like nine of us that finished together, but it was 17 mm. of us that came in. Mm. And you know, I did four years straight. I didn't get a red shirt year, which I kind of regret. I played just special teams my rookie year. Uh-huh. So like we did four, like eight of us did four years straight. Yeah, so it's about half. Yeah. So I can just imagine the turnover, like you said, with like just the talent piece being a component, you know, the women, the distractions. Like I could just know people just coming in and out. Like it's that's wild. And you were seeing, you know, this crazy guy, a dude named Sean Bray. Sean Bray made it to the pros for a couple of years. He was one of the nicest running backs in Miami history. I don't care. He never got – he got on the field for like three games in his sophomore year. But he would just keep getting in trouble off campus just because Miami has those distractions where it's like, right. all right. And he ended up transferring to SMU and balled out like three years straight and ended up getting drafted. So it was – you know, I think the distractions do play a part in like the success level. Yeah. I agree, That's a good huh? point, man. You, you got these young men, 18, 19, 20, like you said, ain't ain't never been around an environment like this. And now you give them the freedom and the access. I mean, it's a, it's a lot I'm to handle. In Miami, one of the biggest problems you would have is you'd be like, yo, how do I take this dime piece, 22, 23-year-old woman back to my dorm room? Like, I don't know. <laughs> how does that happen? It's hard. You know, that's the part. He was like, yo, he's at the club club. Like, y'all was dealing with other college athletes. I'm at the club on the beach with like, you know, it's rappers over there. I'm like, they ain't gonna go drinking them. <laughs> wow. You had wow. story, huh? You had 11 with it, turning up, going crazy. Oh, no, you talking about the new club. I'm thinking club plays <laughs> back then, mansion. It was a bunch of them back then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> can't get diamonds. On yeah. Sundays, huh? Monday, right. Diamonds, bro. Oh, that used to be it. Yo, that was one. That was probably one of the main spots. My man, my man just had a anytime, anytime my brother leaned back and grabbed his hat, I can't see a flashback. Y'all getting look at this. This compliance ain't worried about you know, they worried about punishing people. (laughs) (laughs) No, for sure, man. For sure. So uh, so let's let's transition to obviously who you are today, man. Talk about just the transition from football to to comedy. Like I, you know, doing my research, man, I read that 
even at Miami, your first year used to host a couple of comedy shows uh, when you first got there. Talk, yeah, talk about that real quick. All right. So, like, at Miami, um, like, they're inside the Miami locker room is probably the funniest comedy club in the world as far as people just joking all day, doing the wildest things. We won't get into all that. Right. But I started doing – I was doing I was doing screenwriting, and I had a lot of funny stuff. And so everybody was like, you should do stand-up, you should do stand-up. I tried it, and I remember, like, my fourth time doing it, we had a comedy, like a comedy show on campus at the bar, and the whole team came. And I'm like, oh, if I bomb, these niggas yeah, gonna roast the shit. I will never yeah, see the end of this. And that might have been to this day, that might be the most pressure I've ever put on myself before comedy. Luckily, I went out there and did really well. You know, you know, they roast you in the locker room, but out in public, they rock with me. I yeah, killed yeah. it. But I remember I just we would practice at 5 a.m. and I'd be trying to do stand-up at like 11 o'clock at some shitty mic. And I remember I was like, I can't do this. So I stopped. I cut it off completely. Mm. And then I went to the pros, man. I got to the pros. And uh, I like to say, I, I like to say I retire now, but I really got cut. <laughs> 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 but when I got cut, I just had all this free time. You know, that you get your mind wandering. You're like, I'm going to just keep working now. Somebody going to call me. But you got all your days. So I was like, man, forget it. I'm going to try stand up again. And so I really started putting a lot of time in the stand up right away. While I was like working out in the morning, doing stand up at night, trying to wait for teams to call me. And nobody called me except for like the Calgary Stampede and a bunch of arena football teams. And I'm like, mm. nah, I'm not tearing my ACL for 44,000. That's not going to work. I'm going to leave in debt. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, and then I end up after like a year, like just no calls. That kind of hurt your heart. And I was like, fuck football. Y'all don't want me. I don't want y'all. And so I moved to LA and like a stubborn move there. You know, probably yeah. I should have gave it another year to see what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I came out here and I've been just doing stand up ever since, man. Ten years strong now. Nice, yeah. nice. Now, now being in comedy now, you're ten years in. Looking back, I guess what do you think the hardest part of comedy is? Is it the content creating, or is it being able to kind of flow and, and keep up with like the times and things evolving? What do you think the hardest part of comedy is? Hardest part of comedy as a football player is the fact that there's no season. Mm. <laughs> no, like. Football, you knew exactly where you were at. You're like, yo, we 0-5, we trash. I got to work and get my shit together. Or, you know, it was a lot more you understood. Comedy, you can have the best set of your life and then go to bed and wake up and it's right back to square one. You don't know what you're at. <laughs> I just killed the Laugh Factory. And then you go back and you're doing mics the next day. So I think that was really the most difficult part. But if you're watching this and figuring out how to get into comedy, uh, the hardest part of stand-up is just getting up and doing it, man. Once you get up there, it's fun. You're having a good time. And really, the hardest part of comedy is the nerves and breaking that to be like, I'm going to get in front of stage and act a fool and just be myself as if nobody's watching. Mm. Yeah. Right. I mean, and you play a ACC football. Like, you playing, you know, you played on Monday night, you know, and you started against Florida State in, in a big game. And nine times out of ten, I probably watched that game. Did that <laughs> help you when you're on stage, like to kind of overcome some of those nerves of being in front of those people and performing? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> like, no, not at all. Football's a team sport. It's kind of like once the play, once like after the first play, when they say said hut. I feel like it feels like practice. You know, you it's just, right. you do them reacting. You just, you don't even notice there's fans there until you make a play and everybody's screaming. You're like, oh, wow, I forgot we was here. Right. Uh, stand up comedy, man. I remember like the first time I ever got on stage. I remember my, uh, I signed my name up and I was about to go up there and be like, hey, man, you can cross my name off. You lied. You said, never mind. <laughs> you just like, man, you see people out there really doing good and you're like, man, I got some, some crazy ass, like, I got a couple of dick jokes. They ain't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say, um, once you get past the fear, and it takes a while, you got to get, I would say to anybody who's trying to get a stand up, man, you got to just keep doing it. A thousand stages is what I tell people. If you're really serious, you got to get on stage a thousand times and then you'll figure out where you're at. Uh, it gets easier every time you get on, man. But football didn't help at all. If football helped, because people who ran shows, wanted to see, like, they wanted to be cool with me. And I I used to do football stories, but now I feel like in the current culture, I can get people in trouble with my football stories. <laughs> right. Nah, I see. That is yeah. a fact. That is a fact. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm glad you said that. I feel like Bolo kind of alluded to it a little bit. Yeah. That's just being real, man. Like, today's world is such a PC kind of world and culture now. Um, Do you find that difficult at times to navigate through that and still be able to be yourself and be funny? 
Yeah, I mean, if you're really funny, you can find loopholes. You don't really have to be punching down or hurting people or talking about things. And even I do find a way to tell Miami stories. But now it's so far removed. My comedy's not as tight to that. I still do those jokes if I'm trying to get an audience to like me. I got an hour. Uh, But uh, I will say this. Uh, You can definitely, like, I have to be very cautious with some of the stories I tell. You know, the seventh floor crew, that used to be a big thing in Miami. (laughs) Right, right, right. Now we kind of, you know, we got to push that to the ground. You know, like, hey, that never happened. You know, you don't know about G-Rex third leg. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, it's changed a little bit. But overall, man, if you're funny, you can can make anything funny and not have to make anybody feel offended. Gotcha. Yeah, that's real. That's real, man. Now, I always want to ask this, man. I feel like every comedian at some point in their career faces like just a very tough audience, right? Mm -hmm. It might not have nothing to do with you. Maybe what you're saying is hilarious, but for whatever reason, this specific audience isn't feeling it. Can you share a a story just over your 10-year career where you was on stage and you're like, man, they, they just not... They're not feeling me today. I'm a bombing. <laughs> bombing. I'm sorry. But 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 let me say this though. Bombing, sure, right? Because I guess I guess I guess you dictate your success based upon the, the audience reaction. But to me, it kind of just depends on you might have the same jokes to another audience and they love it. Different. So it's not even necessarily bombing to me, but like how would you is, is there a story that comes to mind? Oh yeah, man. I bombed hard in uh in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, before uh, Darnell Rawlings. I remember that was the worst bomb oh, I yeah. in my life. It was 500 people in there. And I would say this, uh, middle-aged Black crowds are probably the toughest audience to make laugh because they're not giving you nothing easy. They didn't pay for yeah. these They got their nice outfit on. I ain't coming for attempts at being funny. Let me see what you... <laughs> like, you gonna make me laugh. <laughs> I, tell, I tell this to people all the time, like, if you make an all-white audience laugh, you can be pretty funny, man. You might be pretty funny. If you make an all-Black audience chuckle, you might be the funniest motherfucker ever walked this earth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 real. This is exact. I, I went, I did a pre, like I was trying to get warmed up. So I did a show at Stand Up Scottsdale before. Probably 90% of white audience. I'm doing my jokes. I chill. I'm on a thousand. I'm like, I'm about to kill this show. I go to this show before Donnell Rawlins. And I guess I was rushing to get there. So my timing was off and I wasn't really connected to the room. But I did my first joke and I heard crickets. It was just like, and, and as you, if you know stand up, like silence isn't necessarily bad. That means that people are listening. They may not be laughing, but they're listening. It's when people start talking during your set, you lost them. You <laughs> I seen a man in the front seat turn around and have a whole conversation about like elevator talk. It was just, it was like anything but this brother is on stage right now. And to this day, I remember I was like, yo, my next set, if I'm bad like that, my next set, I'm quitting comedy. And so I went to like, it was like Rocky. I was doing setups. I'm grabbing my notebook and writing like B-Rabbit and 8 Mile. And I ended up having, I went and did the same show the next month and I killed that shit. Okay. 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 I love it. I love that. So so you got to get a portion of insight. So um, I know people who have like, um, they tell stories, they got punchlines. Are you kind of pretty much balancing everything? Do you kind of like throw jokes based upon like what's going on in the world? Like how does that work in in, in like your regimen? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I think my story is interesting. So I do use a lot of like storytelling from mine. Like I got a cool story, like comedy. You kind of want the audience to like you. So you don't want to seem too cocky. So right. you don't want to talk about how like, my life's great. So I do an underdog approach of like a great life story. Like I talk about making it to the pros, but also being the little brother of a legend. So I never really was good enough. Are you know? Right. <laughs> or being in Miami, but being, you know, you know, the, the dude from Colorado where you're like in Colorado, I was Suge Knight. Miami's locker room. I'm like, oh, oh, wait a minute. I might be Wayne Brady because he's. <laughs> I suppose I've seen guns. I've never seen guns until I got to Miami locker room. I was like, oh, shit, you carry that with you? <laughs> On your person? Oh, shit. You say like Sugar Night in Colorado. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I thought I was tough, bro. I remember we went to go get our haircut. One of the, uh, Joe Nick took me to his barbershop and we went to like 79th Street to swap meet, which is like, one of the hoodest places you can go, but I thought I was comfortable. Like, oh, two weeks later, I need to get a lineup. Let me go ahead and get on this train. I never had to get there on my own. And boy, when I tell you this, sun went down and I, I should have got shot. I should have got <laughs> It was the grace of God that protected me back to Miami, man. And so like a lot of these, like these stories, the audiences really gravitate to, and you can really preach it to them mm-hmm. in a good way. But also I love just being silly, man. I love my brain works in a unique way. So Random thoughts of mine really can get the audience laughing just off the setup. And then I give them that punch 
ain't gonna give you too much, but as y'all watch, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna be taping something in February of the of next year, so I'm gonna be putting mm. something pretty soon. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Porsche, tune in. Yeah, I heard what he said, man. Stay tuned. So little bait, little bait out there. Yeah, all right, right, right. Little cliffhanger. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Uh, so one thing I want to know, Jared, is the preparation for a show. Right? Obviously, we're all former athletes. We know what for football. There's X. You know, you you practice, you watch film, you lift, you play the game. What's the routine like preparing for a big show? Mm. Nothing. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. The Next movie, question. <laughs> I, 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 the weird thing about it, like I said, man, put it in quotes. The, you can't give a fuck. I'm mm. sorry. That's when you play best. Very similar to Miami, man. If I think about a show and it makes me feel like I need to be like, oh, I need to do good. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do okay at best. It's when you get in the when you get on stage and you just in the moment. Whatever you truly feel, the audience connects to that. And so, like, have your jokes, but I find it best to like go as far as you can with just being naturally funny before you have to grab your jokes. And if you can really get them laughing before you actually start telling jokes, you're going to kill them when you get to that. But uh, like football, I think preparing, like I would tell you this, all right, let me give you a football story. All right. Uh, when I was on the Arizona Cardinals, we had just hired Ray Horton as a defensive coordinator. He was a defensive back coach for the Steelers. And so he bring this system in and I'm trying to watch film. Like I got to get an edge. How do I know what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. And it's Troy Palomalu that's playing my position. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> and so every time I read, I'm like, why is this going to be labeled wrong? Because this man is never doing what he's supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> never. Because it looks like he's blizzing here. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and so that's like, I remember, like, I would try to like study that playbook, and I couldn't. So I remember Adrian Wilson. Uh, he was like the, the yeah. veteran said he was trying to look out for me. So one time before practice, he was like, yo, Campbell, he said, if you see the tight end blocked down, jump the slant. And that means the X receiver going to run a slant. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, but I got deep thirds. And he said, no, 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 don't worry about that. Just jump the slant. And I'm like, all right, man, but if I do that and they throw it deep, my ass is getting cut and you're going to have to take care of me. Right. Said, don't worry about that. So sure enough, we get to practice and tight end blocks down. Uh oh. I take a deep breath and I run my ass back to deep thirds like I'm supposed to. <laughs> 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 sure enough, he, they throw a slant, and, he slant. A slant, and I'm like, oh, shit. I look at A-Dub, and he goes, shakes his head. But what I didn't know at the time is A-Dub would go before practice and look at the play sheet from the office. Oh, <laughs> oh. He's telling you facts, not, not feelings, like jump the slant. <laughs> this is going to happen. He knew exactly. He was throwing me a bone, man, and I blew it. And I feel like not taking chances there is exactly why my ass is doing comedy now. And so when I get on stage, I try to take as many chances as possible. Man. Not trying playing it safe. You really don't get far. And so I don't mm. prepare much at all. I try to just go on there and just be funny, man. If it works, it works. If it don't, you don't know none of these motherfuckers, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's some real. Hey, that's some real shit right there, Bolo. Like I felt some. I just felt some in my I, chest I, I, when he said that. A lot that. of takeaways from that. You know Damn. what I'm saying? Damn, I just speechless. <laughs> like, because I, I, I obviously we're both in the in the same you know entertainment field. I'm hosting. I do things like that. So, and I'm still early in my career. So I, I think yeah, sometimes I catch myself overthinking it sometimes because worrying about this or that, but you're right. Like, one, these motherfuckers don't know you, <laughs> number one. Number two, just be you, because, like, that's the only thing you can be is you. You can't, I can't, you, you can't act like nobody else. The best version of you, we say it every single show at the end, is you. So, nah, that's uh, that's some real advice right there, man, for sure. And even on the hosting tip, man, I remember, uh, like, I remember I asked Saquon Barkley right after he won Rookie of the Year. I was like, yo, how you feel about Baker Mayfield being snubbed? And he's not cracking <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I remember I was interviewing Kobe, man. That's actually one of my biggest... Mm. Wow. I up, we drove down to interview Kobe after one of his camps, and I remember all the reps were like, hey, don't try to be too funny because Kobe takes this really serious. He doesn't joke, so, like, maybe don't try to be funny at all. And so I'm like, all right, let me ask these tongue-in-cheek fucking how's it feel to help kids out questions. And I get around Kobe, and, you know, I'm going to throw one joke, but I try to, like, be funny. And Kobe's smiling all the time, joking with me the whole time. And I'm like, man, I really... Should have like went for humor there, so I could have made that thing. And here I am asking these dry ass, like, what does it mean to you to give back to the kids? And you know, Kobe heard that a thousand times, man. Right, Should have right. asked Kobe, like, yo, let's be honest, 
how you feel about Kobe, how my ass tastes. Like, I really want to know how you feel about that. Because it is, a, that's a hit. You know Kobe, how my ass tastes was a hit to that's everybody. A hit. Oh, man. Right, right. That was a bang. I'm a huge Kobe fan. I, I'm living yeah, down by Kobe. So, and I, but I love Shaq too, but I'm more of a Kobe fan. So when he dropped that, I'm like, Shaq, come on, man. I'm, I was hot, but I'm like, it's kind of hard banger. though. He lost his job. That was a banger. I ain't gonna lie. That might have been Shaq's. If he put that on, that was back to back. That was his Drake's back to back. Shaq could have went. You know, Shaq is the only rapper to go platinum, but that was his yeah. number one hit if he dropped it. Nah, for sure. For sure. So, uh, so, so we got to ask you, obviously, you know, you play football and everybody wants that end goal of getting to the league. Mm. So now you you in you in the league of comedy now. So what what is that end goal for, for Jared right now? Uh comedy and football are in, uncomparable. Uh football, there's like an actual rating system where you have there's a Hall mm-hmm. of Fame goal. Uh comedy, man, honestly, I just love it. I I, I see some comedians, man, it's weird because you meet your idols a lot in this comedy game, and you'd be like, damn, I thought they'd be, you know, a little happier. You know? Yeah. Right. And so uh, I know that once you start having to make money from it, you can lose the passion with it. So, like, mm. I just do it for the love, man. Like, I don't even care. I'll, I'll do stand-up anywhere, anytime, because I like the attention and mm. the ability to be able to say what's on my mind. It's kind of therapy. Uh, so I really don't have as many goals. Obviously, I want to um, I want to just put work out, man. I just want people to see it, if anything, man. It don't matter yeah. if, it's, if it's on YouTube getting millions of views or 500, man. As long as I can get somebody to be like, yo, that shit? Is the, my favorite. That's my favorite joke of all time. You know, that's what I strive for. I, and I love that, man, because some of the some of the best comedians. Y'all remember Comic View on BET? Oh, like, yeah, of course. They, they used to be my favorite shit just because it was just authentic. Like people were themselves and like they was just like throwing jokes off the hip. Now you get on like some of these, you know, comedians, you know, sometimes you hear these jokes. And you're like, mm, nah, like this is like. <laughs> Just be yourself. Like, just throw a joke like you was throwing a joke if you was, you know, sitting down with your boys or something. Like, right. now some of these jokes is, like, more doctored up and, and getting prepared to, like, throw it at, like, a group of people. Uh, I know that, what you mean. You know, to be to receive that message. But I'm like, just be you. Like, throw, throw that joke out. How you going to throw the joke out? So I really love authentic comedy. Like, that shit. And I, don't, I won't say that we lost the, like, we lost comedians who were more authentic, but I definitely think it has turned just a little bit, in my opinion, and, and maybe you can get more insight to it, but I do think comedy has had a bit of a spin to it, um, just because of maybe the money, or maybe, like you said, like PC, Darnell, but um, old school comedy used to be crazy, though. <laughs> uh, like Dev Jam, obviously, is a legend. There's a lot of studying from that. I wouldn't I wasn't really into comedy as much when Dev Jam was on TV, but I was able to watch pretty much every set from everybody. Comic View is when I fell in love with comedy. That's right. Yeah. I used to watch Comic View right after what? Midnight Love R&B music. Uh-huh. <laughs> BT Uncut. <laughs> Tip Drill Video. Right, right, right. That was, late. That, was, that was late, late. You, know, you had the remote on last, so you could just turn it back to Disney Channel. <laughs> Uh, no, but Comic View was 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 legendary, and it's it's weird because you see a lot of people who like now bump into a lot of people like oh, I remember you on Comic View. Now we're on the same stage, and I'm actually kind of funny. No, <laughs> <laughs> but for real. <laughs> but um, but no, the game's changed. Obviously, finances is really what came down to it. Uh, Comic View used to get people paid, man. There was a lot of people who watched that, and you would get booked up and doing shows. Now, people, you got to get on Comedy Central. It's a different audience. Mm-hmm. I would say people. They don't want to see people just going on being raw, you know. Right. <laughs> you can't. You can't. I mean, as they joke around, you can't fuck the stool too much when you're on Comedy Central, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's real. <laughs> Man, nah, that's but uh, it, it's changed. The game's changed a lot, and so you, we're trying to adapt to it as much as we can. But yeah. like, they don't have a comic view right now. There's not any uplifters of you know young comedians getting pushed out at least on the platform of young black funny motherfuckers, man. Right, mm-hmm. right. Let me ask you this, man. Like you say, you said you did a lot of studying going back of Def Jam. Who would you say are some of the biggest, uh, I guess, comedians that, that inspire you? Oh, uh, I mean, obviously, Def Jam, Bernie Mac's the king of Def Jam. I was come saying. on, man, <laughs> man, RIP. That, that, that's the best, one of the best sets of all time for me personally. Though, uh, when I first got into comedy, it was because of Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. And mm-hmm. if you watch me enough, you'll see a lot of their cadence and timing on how I tell jokes. But then after I became in love with stand-up, I really found out about Patrice O'Neill. And Patrice O'Neill is probably my favorite comedian mm-hmm. of all time now. Uh, the kings of comedy, obviously, are legends. Um, you got to pay respect to Murphy and, and Richard Pryor. But if I'm going right now, my top five, Dave Chappelle's the GOAT, Patrice O'Neill, uh, Chris Rock. 
uh, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Hannibal Burris on there. I don't like how he agreed with the Cosby thing 100. Yeah. percent But he is just legit funny as could be, and I'm gonna round that out with uh, probably Kevin Hart. I like there that. It is strong top five like right that. there, man. I respect that. I respect that for yeah. sure. So. Now, now let us let, let let's ask this. So obviously, time is evolving, and I see a lot of comedians get their fame from social media, TikTok, mm. Instagram, kind of anywhere you go. You see somebody making skits, and then now they're doing shows and, and traveling and stuff like that. Does that play a big part into comedy? Like, does like the comic, like the comedians, do they like accept like those comedians mm. that are coming from skit and coming from the smaller Instagram videos? I hate to say it, man. Those guys, uh, Instagram comedians make more money. They make a lot of money. They, they figured it out, but they're terrible on stage. I mean, there's a few that you understand that really like, oh, this person really does this stand-up thing. But there's a lot of people like, it sucks because to get funny at stand-up, you kind of just got to put the reps in. Like, you, you got to grow. Yeah. And I feel like when you're kind of semi-famous, you'll see people get on stage and it's like, oh, they don't have the time to grow because everybody's a fan of them already. Right. But they're... Like DC Young Fly is funny. Like he's a legit funny stand-up. Uh, there's a there's a couple of guys that are look, look funny, but it's a different muscle. And on top of that, a lot of comedians don't like like meme guys. Sometimes they go to shows and they they hear the joke that gets all the laughs, and the next thing you know, they got a sketch that's the same version of the joke, and you're like, hey, hold on, you just, I, I know that joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But overall, I mean, I think a lot of comedians, I personally don't do a lot of the social media as I should, but I just feel like I like to put, you know, it's, it's more the emotion in how I feel right now. And I feel like sketch comedy is a lot of silly. It's almost like, how can I be silly in front of you for 15 minutes rather than like, yeah. ah, hoping. Right, right. Now, with that being said, I did, I did scope you, you know, go through your IG a little bit. You do got a video of you somewhere. You was in Egypt or something dancing by the pyramid. That was pretty, that was pretty funny, man. I don't know where you was at, but you was doing your moves, though. That was pretty funny. I was cutting that up, man. Man, I was in Egypt, man. And, and you know, remember the time video is one of the most. Yeah, I was about to say. Eddie Murphy is Yeah, yeah. I got to show love to it. And I, I, the key is I did the Michael Jackson. We, we was in college. They had the weed. That was when it first came out. They had the yeah. Michael Jackson experiment. Jackson so I learned weed. the moves, you know. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> so I said, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna do this, man. And like, and the crazy thing is, I most of the time was joking, but some of the most I was hitting some of the moves so hard that I was like, oh shit, you know, this might really be paying homage <laughs> to MJ, man. Maybe <laughs> he, 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 I mean, whatever he had, he watching like, yo, that's how you do that shit. <laughs> that's how you do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's real. He was killing him. If you ain't checked it out, Bolo, yet, uh, definitely go check that out, man. He was, he, he was, he was breaking them down. I was, I was you learning because I can't dance. I'm talking about me, honestly. You ever seen Remember the Time? That that might be the best. Oh, music yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Magic Johnson's in it. That was just that was black greatness, man. And to be honest with you, we're gonna be a little keep it real on the porch. I was in Egypt and they was trying to tell me that black people didn't make the pyramids, and I was like, after watching that video, yeah. you can't tell me. That. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me we didn't do I'm that. Sorry. Y'all didn't figure this out, but I know I seen uh, the pharaohs in them. They made them our color, yeah. but I, I, you know that that was uh, the video was why I did that dance move. Uh, I love it, man. Paying homage for sure. So we gonna transition to uh, uh, one of our last segments, our this or that segment. So we are gonna just list a, a few uh, random items. Uh, you choose one and give us like a you know a two liner of why you chose that one. So uh, I'm gonna start off Bolo, and then you can jump in. Love it. So. I always got to start with some food. I'm a big guy. I love food. So hot wings or tacos? Ooh. Damn. Don't put me like that. Damn. Off the back. Off the back with it. Ooh. I'm going to go tacos, man. I got to go. I got to go tacos. Tacos got its own day. Like hot wings, you can just, you can murder 30 of them and still be hungry. But if you get like some popping tacos with all the salsa, I'm going to go tacos. They got Tuesday, man. Football. God Sunday. Football's kind of increasing on it. And then uh, tacos got Tuesday, so I'm gonna go tacos there. <laughs> I love it. I like that. I, I like that. It. I like that explanation too. Okay, we got one for you here. So obviously, a Colorado native, right? So are we going with the Denver Nuggets, or are we going with the Denver Broncos? Ah, uh, you gotta go Broncos, man. Uh, Nuggets. Uh, they don't think they ever won a championship, or maybe like in the, in in '65 or something like that when they had them cool jerseys. But I seen literally the Mile High Salute, man. We had Master P making music videos for us. I know <laughs> Terrell Davis. Yeah, the Broncos in 2000, Broncos in '99, one of the hottest teams of all time, bro. That's yeah. with uh, Terrell Davis. Yeah, the Mile High yeah. Salute, Shannon Sharp, oh, Terrell Davis, Sharp. Trevor Price, John Elway. 
Elway, yeah. Yeah, that, that was a legendary now, squad right there, Dale. Now, 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 I got to ask you before you transition, though. How excited were you at the point with the Denver Nuggets got Carmelo Anthony and Allen Iverson? Was you excited? Iverson was old when he came, man. We didn't he get was, he was. Iverson, man. But, but Melo, that was luck. I was Melo was a baller, but I just knew the Nuggets always draft the wrong person. So they had Dirko Mulacek, was who they were supposed to get in all the mock drafts. Yeah. So the Pistons drafted him because they were like, we already won a championship. Who do we need to draft? And we got Carmelo, and I was the biggest Carmelo fan for a long time. And then the way he left the Nuggets, I hated Carmelo after that. I've, I have not been a fan of Carmelo. He slowly came back. Like Portland and L.A., I like him a little bit. Hated Knicks Carmelo. Just didn't like him. Damn. <laughs> I respect that. I respect That's that. That's real. All right. Uh, so next one. Movies or TV shows? Movies all day, man. TV shows. People always be like, you ain't watching the show? It's only four seasons, man. I ain't got that much time, man. Let me get a good movie classic. Like, I love I love movies, obviously. Interstellar is my favorite movie, but Friday, Coming to America by far, some of the best movies of all time. So, yeah, yeah ain't no TV shows competing with that. I, I don't watch Friday so many times. It's ridiculous. So I, I, it's crazy. I don't know how many times I didn't watch Friday. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I saw it, I was like, they're calling this the porch. I thought we were going to be out here with blunts, man. I thought <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I thought this was. <laughs> you can pull one out. You know, like we, we usually do pull up with some drinks, though. I will say that. We were slacking yeah, today. Man, if uh, I wasn't at the office, I might. I you at the office. Right, right. I don't want you to trouble. He had to look, he had to look around for a minute, too. Right. <laughs> Shout out to Yahoo. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So I got to ask, safety to safety, who we taking? Buda Baker or Tyrant Matthew? Uh, you got to take Honey Badger there, man. Got to. Buda Baker got walked down, but he's a beast. I would say he's, 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 he is a legend. But Honey Badger, man, uh, he plays like how I wish I could play, man. He just re- reactive. He just out there hunting every play, man. Don't even seem like he's following the playbook. He just fills the game. So right, it, he Matthew, just, you know, he's so Badger. savvy and smart now. Like the way he just reacts, cut routes, like communicate. Now that's why I was telling Darnell, I was like, man, I think the Saints is is gonna gonna luck up with just a veteran back there, just controlling controlling the show. Yeah, yeah. And putting people in positions to be successful. So it, excited, man. They low key disrespected him, man. I felt like he didn't get a lot of offers, and I feel like he ain't did yeah. nothing at all. So yeah. get, when you get a certain age, people feel like you shouldn't be able to play no more. So I'm I'm pretty sure he's gonna be putting up a, a Pro Bowl, probably all pro type season with the Saints. Oh, for Absolutely. sure, man. And they already got a pretty good defense. You got Cam Jordan down there doing this thing too. Gonna make make it a little easier for him. So, but we we'll jump into that a little later. All right, last one here on the this or that. Now, this is a tough one right here. Calais Campbell or Aaron Donald? Think about it for a second. Think about it for a second. Nah, bro. Man, you know that ain't even no question. Nah, the worst part, man, in 2017, Calais had like 15 sacks and yes. helped Jacksonville go from like one of the worst teams in the NFL yeah. to yeah. they should have went to the Super Bowl. And they snubbed my daughter. They gave Aaron Donald the defense player of the year. And it was like probably one of his worst seasons out of like the last five or so. Right. <laughs> but I feel like they were giving it to him for all the work he had did before then. And then literally every season after that, Aaron Donald's been a dog. But still to this day, man, you got to give it to Calais. If Calais, he's in year 15. Like think about how many years. Like think about doing 15 reps of something difficult. It's very hard to do. He's played 15 NFL seasons, which is amazing. And he's still doing it at a high level. So I'm showing love to my brother for that. Of course. Aaron Donald get to 15 years. Then we're going to be like, all right, maybe. Yeah. And one thing about Calais, man, I don't know what it is. I feel like he start off like soon as the season start. He gets like four sacks in like the first game. I for real, like if you look at his, I remember the Jacksonville years because uh, my brother, uh, not my blood, but he's my brother, Sheldon Day, actually was on that team with Calais. Yeah, we grew up together. So shout shout out to my guy S Day. Uh, So I was watching the Jacks heavily at that time. I'm like, Calais is balling, bro. Like I don't, I don't know what's going on, but he's going crazy this season. Uh, So yeah, man, that's dope. Yes, Uh, sir. Yeah, so, all right, so here's our closing segment, and this is a fun segment here. We call it the what would you do scenario. So I'm about to read off as a random scenario, and you just simply answer what would you do. So imagine this. Kevin Hart is on tour. His next stop is in L.A. It's the day of the show. He got SoFi Stadium. It's sold out. Everybody's been talking about the show all last few months. They're ready for it. An hour before the show is supposed to start, Something crazy happens. I don't know what went down, but Kev says he cannot make it. And rather than just canceling the show, you get a call, Jared, and said they want you to fill in for him. What would you do? 
Man, I'm about to rock that bitch. What you talking about? Okay. I'm becoming their Kevin Hart. They were like, that dude was pretty funny. <laughs> nah, it's a unique know. scenario, though, because you got to think, you know how fans are. When fans are coming for one particular person, whether it's music, comedy, else. and somebody else walking like, who the fuck is this? Who is this motherfucker? Let me cry. I'll be nervous as a motherfucker, man. I'm going to tell you right now, comedy <laughs> is not really made for stadiums, but somehow Kevin Hart has been able to do that. And so, yeah, I've never even done a stadium. I don't know what it would look like from the just visual point, let alone like stand-up is much more like you're communicating with laughter. But in mm. stadiums, like I've done theaters, but stadiums, it's kind of like a delay. So you just got to really just know how funny you are. So I, I probably would, I, I, I wouldn't kill. People might, they might boo me if they're expecting Kevin Hart in my ass. I'm up there be like, oh, I don't do it. Everybody do it, huh? How about them rings, huh? Anybody know about the U? <laughs> the seven floor boys. You didn't have to get on there like Kev is on his way. But in the meantime, I'm gonna throw a couple jokes and be on that bitch for 30 minutes. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, they're doing uh, hey, y'all finish this segment. All right. If Kevin Hart was coming to this stadium and he happened to cancel, what would y'all want me to do? <laughs> and we're like, boom. That should that should have just oh, stadium. A boo yeah. like that, you got to quit comedy. You got to go into hiding for a couple of years. You got Correct. to. You got to. You got to go hide. You got to go hide. You got to go yeah. fall in love, and you have some babies, and then come back, give it another shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's real. Uh, but Mar, we appreciate you for hopping on, man. Uh, take this time real quick to kind of shout out anything you know you're doing, where people can find you. Um, here you go. This show, show time. Here we go. Here on the porch, man. Obviously, you guys follow me on any social media platform. It's free, and it can help me get a lot more money uh, at Jared Quay on every platform. Uh, I'm going to be following the Ravens because they go into the Super Bowl this year. I said it here first. Play this clip later. Ooh. After they do go to the Super Bowl, I'm calling it now. I'm going to be going to every road game, and I will be doing stand-up in one of the clubs, and I will be roasting the team that they're playing. We'll see how it goes. Pray for me. Uh, other than that, man, uh, just keep supporting these guys, man. Obviously, the porch, it only grows with your continued support. And if you're watching this, comment. Make sure these people know because it's so hard for people to really understand how you feel. So write laughs and, and make sure you send them compliments to these fellas. Here it is, bro. We That's appreciate it. you. We did it again, Bolo. Another banger. Hey, another goat. Hey, paying homage. Jared Campbell, we appreciate you. Hey, the porch podcast underscore. All right, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. All right, like you said, it don't cost a dime to show love. All right, just show love, man. Support. You know what I mean? And hey, look, just like the universe, it's gonna come back in return, man. So hey, like we always end the show, it's your boy B Jones, aka Bolo, I'm rocking with my dog Darnell, and you already know the best you is the best you, and we out. Peace. Started on the porch. That was where it all began. Put it work every day, we got it in. We chased all our dreams, and now they can't believe it. We make it look easy, we achieving everything we need. Now we undefeated. Presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.